Hi humans, welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, onto the episode. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, hey, yo. Hey, guys. How the heck are you? We're good. I feel like I feel like this pandemic has gone all 2020, but we're good. Yeah. Everything that was once certain in my life is no longer certain. I yeah. get that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And yeah. I mean, in so many different ways, but right. Um, honestly, it's why I feel like I've grown the most. Yeah, for sure. Because of the like allowing uncertainty into my life. Mm. Yeah, it it's like you, the the crutches have been taken away, and you kind of got to figure out how oh, to walk. Yeah, you you're like, oh, oh, it, I haven't used this muscle before. Yeah, right. So yeah, I, I feel like it's a lot of that, especially in the quarantine. Kind of adds another layer because it's kind of you're dealing with all these different things, but then on top of that, you have a pandemic. Right. That, um, yeah, that I'm not necessarily like. I'm going to die from, but my, I felt like it's it's my responsibility to not, um, infect other people. Tyler George is one half of the pop soul duo, the George twins, a band with over 13 million views on YouTube and 70,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Tyler grew up a pastor's kid and over the last couple years has been deconstructing the difference between religion and spirituality through the lens of Christianity. I would love to hear a little bit because I was talking with Lauren over text and uh, you were kind of describing the, the kind of the heart behind what you guys are doing. Yeah. And it was like it was so like felt so synonymous with where I'm at. Um, what? What started this journey for you guys? So the interviewee becomes the interviewer. Is that how this goes? (laughs) I I guess so. Well, for me, it's like I feel like I can answer the questions that you guys have even more. Yeah. When when I understand where you guys are coming from. Yeah. So I had my whole life. I've always loved radio. So first of all, having a podcast like. I, I wanted to be like a radio voice or a host on podcast and podcast wasn't even a thing when I was a kid, but like, I always like liked that sort of thing. So as far as the hobby of a podcast, I've always enjoyed that. Um, and then basically my own deconstruction started happening and I didn't even know, I don't think I, I didn't even know of the word deconstruction when I first started deconstructing. Yeah. Um, And the first thing that happened, very, very first thing was uh, when Adam and I first started dating and there's a lot of things that a lot of actual, actual like chains, I guess. And as far as like Christian verbiage goes, um, chains that were broken for me when it comes to living life to the fullest and like God wanting to me, wanting me to live um, a life of love. And because I always thought that, you know, living a Christian life was to live a life of martyrdom right um and yeah so that that was like a huge that was basically the weight that i carried around with me my whole life like from very young to you know till i started dating adam and i was so happy so in love you know i had just i had just kind of broken up i had just broken up with my ex who i was engaged to so there's a lot of a lot of things happening in my life but for some reason i was just 
I was just so happy and so freed mm-hmm. and I had that freeing feeling and I got like addicted to that. I was like, wow, I feel yeah. free. And I felt like I like had this moment with you know, God. Um, and I was like, God, if this is wrong, if this feeling of me being happy and this happy and this in love, yeah. if this is wrong, I'm okay with being wrong. Like we just can't do this anymore yeah. if this is wrong. And I remember just like hearing this, I get hearing this voice, hearing this response, being like, who do you think I am? Like, of course, yeah. I want you to be happy. Of course, I want you to live life to the fullest. So that was like the beginning. And that was like kind of the, um, that was like the positive happy part of what started my deconstruction. Yeah. And I'm guessing there's a lot of the sad grief things yes. you had to grieve. Well, and-, and not even at that point, but at, like really yeah. I was happy and, and in love and all that yeah. for a, for like, um, and, well, until we, up until the point where we got married and we were married for about six months until I, well, that's when Brooke left the band. She decided to be done with yeah. Love Collide. And since Adam and I had been, you know, married for six months, he was off the road and we were together all the time. We were looking for a church. And so that looking for a church home, as we call it in the Christian um, religion, uh, we we just never felt like we could find a place that resonated with us. And so that like, you know, was its own part of our, of my deconstruction with being like, okay, I've been doing the Lord's work, quote unquote, in the Christian music industry (laughs) for, you know, years now. And yet like, where's, where's this Christian family I'm supposedly Mm. a part of? Where's this Christian community I'm supposedly a part of? Um, And then, you know, we've said this in other podcasts before. I've always been a spiritual person, but I had put a lot of my spirituality like to the side um, while I was in the heat of religiosity and in the Christian music industry and a leader in Christian entertainment and all that. Yeah. Um, and so whenever that had kind of come to an end, I had a lot to look at. I was like, okay, one, what is my goal and career, my goal in life? What's my big dreams? And then also what, where, what is my religion? (laughs) Like, what am I basing this off? You also, you also had a catalog of all the things you stood for in your life. Like you had, you had a space of leadership that you were in, but then also you were able to look back on that and be like, who, who is it that I've been and what have I been telling people? And how does that align with who I am now where I'm on the other side of it? Yeah. So that, anyway, I, I, I then found, I've always been a researcher. I'm an Enneagram 5. So I then just started listening to podcasts. And I started listening or watching YouTube videos and started doing just oh, a, yeah. a lot and a lot, a lot of research. Um, There's been a many illegal drives that I've had watching YouTube videos. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, I started listening to people who were – who had done more research than me, who were smarter than me, who had de- mm-hmm. like degrees and doctorates in theology and people who <laughs> just, I just started really learning and I started asking the hard questions that I had just like put to rest and silenced for so long. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I listened to God is Gray, Brenda Davies, who we had on the podcast um, and, yeah. you know, PNs who does the, who wrote the book, How the Bible Actually Works, people like that. Yeah. Um, and, so yeah, that was like, I basically had done, I started doing research like crazy. Um, and then... So what you're saying is you experienced massive amounts of change in your life, <laughs> massive amounts of uncertainty. Yeah. Deconstructing your identity because all these things that you thought were the most certain things in your life. Right. Ended up, you know, you started seeing the holes in or completely disappeared. Right. And then it actually gave you the space to go and research and and actually pursue something different than what you were currently holding on to. Exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, of course, that was my my story. And at, well, yeah. Adam has his own kind of deconstruction story. His, yeah. his seems yeah. a little bit more simple. <laughs> my, mine's just always been a little bit more of a flow where like I grew up in a space where I was kind of taught to question structure and all that kind of stuff. And like yeah. my, my dad went to Bible college and, you know, studied theology and all that sort of stuff. And and so I came from a place where it's like, 
even when you're at a place where you're actually being educated on the Bible, like outside of religious context and emotional response, that like it's okay to question things and it's okay to like approach your faith with a little bit more of um, a scalpel and a scientific ideology. So I kind of always had that space, but I never really had a reason or a necessity to define what it was that I believed. So I was just kind of in this place where I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I was saved. Um, and I did all the things. I was on the worship team. I, you know, yeah, whatever, dude. yada, yada, yada. I was at church four days a week, five days a week. Um, but then it kind of came to the point where saying saying nothing and being a little bit more like ambivalent about things was becoming problematic. I think it was perpetuating a lot of problems that I didn't necessarily believe in, but were growing because of silence from any opposition. And so I came to a point where I kind of needed to start doing my own research and deciding what I did believe in so that I wasn't just in this place of yeah. non-decision. Yeah, in, pa- in passiveness. Right. And I think in a lot of times for like it's, it's easier to be passive than it is to to step into something that could be, you know, controversial or create a lot of conflict. I know for me as an Enneagram type nine, that has been a very difficult journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even uh, finding my own voice because, um, like I said before we were talking, uh, being a twin was a massive piece of my identity. Right. And so being able to like for those things to go away, it's not that Jordan went away, but it's just my relationship with him changed. But right. Um, because it, he's, yeah, he's it, getting married. And so it's like essentially his identity is becoming united with someone else. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's just like the time that you have together is different and, I'm sure when you got married, your, your relationship with Brooke changed. Um, and, uh, and obviously I think there's just different seasons that we go through, um, where our relationships look different. Um, and so for me, that the reason why I ask those questions is just because I'm like, I feel like I resonate so much with both of you guys Yeah, and my kind of deconstruction journey it's been hard because I felt like what people have done when it talks about de- when we talk about deconstruction is it's they've almost weaponized it in uh, they've almost people have almost weaponized deconstruction to justify hate for the other thing that they were hurt hurt by mm. and I felt this I've felt many waves of this like emotion of like. I, so I grew up in the church. My dad was ri- originally a uh, youth pastor, and then he became a pastor. And then now he's not a pastor anymore. So it's weird to be like an ex-pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so um, do, you, do you still identify your childhood and adolescence as being a pastor's kid? Or has oh, that kind of sure. changed the way that you see all of that? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would say... I would still, uh, I would still identify myself as a pastor's kid because it was such a big piece of my identity growing up. And as soon as people would find out I was a pastor's kid, it was like their entire relationship changed with me. Like they would apologize for cussing around me. They'd be like, is that okay with you? And like, it's like, I wouldn't get invited to things anymore because they thought that I couldn't hang or we're constantly judging them for the decision that, that people made. And so, it, I mean, it, being a pastor's kid had a lot of, like, negative connotations growing up. Sure. But at the same time, I enjoyed growing up when my dad was a youth pastor. I used to hang out with all the youth kids. Right. And so there was this, like, oh, my dad, you know, and he'll, my dad would occasionally preach messages and bring, you know, talk about me or my brother and, and I always felt seen when he did that. And, um, yeah, I mean, growing up as a pastor's kid in a Christian Southern Baptist church, 
it created this, um, I, like it created this kind of like, I'm a pastor's kid. I must be perfect. Mm. And, um, because the spotlight's on me and my brother and, um, my family really. And so, so do you feel like that social aspect informed your relationship with God more, or do you feel like your relationship or your religion or faith or whatever informed your social interactions? And I'm sure it goes both ways too, but like, yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of both. I feel like this is the best way I've described growing up in my relationship with God. And I've mentioned this to you before, but Sometimes I'll say in conversations with people, for the first 15 years of my life, I worshiped Zeus <laughs> because mm-hmm. that was like if you were if you were to come to my like growing up and you say, describe God to me, I would be like, he's got long, flowy hair like Russell Brand. <laughs> he, he wears a bed sheet across his body and he wears chacos on his feet. Right. And um, he is very white and has maybe blue eyes or hazel eyes. Oh, my gosh. And that was my picture of Jesus. And and I would say, well, that was my picture of Jesus. God was like pretty much exactly Zeus to a T, like white beard. Yeah. Like. Maybe not as ripped as some of the um, iconography. Some of the Greek mythology paintings are have him, but just like a uh, like more of like Zeus with a dad bod. <laughs> got it. So got it, got it. yeah, so it's it's funny because I realized. I mean, again, like being a pastor's kid, it's all about. For me, it was like, okay, I gotta I gotta be perfect. I have to not mess up so I don't get punished, and uh and i i remember just that the the fear of messing up is what dri- like drove me a, a lot to like like i don't know hold on to, to these core pieces of my religion and i then you know it was funny I, uh lynn too is a good friend of ours and uh i had the pleasure of being able to listen to to the podcast that you guys did and i like listened to it all the way through and I loved every second of it. Mm. And I remember growing up for me, if somebody like said that they were an atheist or had it, like anything to do with like <laughs> Satan or anything like that, I would have instantly gone into, I need to save this person. I need to now get them to conform to my, my understanding and interpretation of God. And I have to do that through logic and reason. Um, and so what, what it created was this, like, any other people that believe different than, than what I believe about God, they are now competitors. Mm. And so I have to, you know, I had all the things, like, all the questions that I could do to argue with atheists. And, like, I studied apologetics and all these types of things, like, so I can do the gotcha moments. Like, mm. I wanted to be... The guy that was like, yeah, like, do you believe in such thing as absolute truth? And they're like, yeah. And then I was like, well, you can't say that you believe in absolute truth. You don't believe in absolute truth because you're quoting an absolute truth to try and defend the fact that there's no absolute truth. So my whole, like, approach of everything was very aggressive, very, like, kind of gotcha. And it was never seeking first to understand. Mm. It was always... I just need you to understand my side. Um, yeah, it's very evangelical. So, yeah, yeah. And what I realize now, and even me, like interacting, hanging with people like Lynn too, and people that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure we believe the exact same thing, <laughs> but it's like we just see it a little bit differently. And now, what I people I thought were competitors are now companions in a journey that we're walking together. Hmm. So, right. so that that's kind of been for me where I started. This, so, so like, this yeah. Zeus God, you know, you described Zeus yeah. as 
you know, the physical characters of Zeus. And then you kind of went on and talked about, so basically you were afraid of like Zeus's lightning bolt. Yep. And like being (laughs) completely burned up basically for not obeying the commands of this Zeus God. Um, And so what, what was the turning point for you? When did God, when did, you know, the mystery divine light, when did that become not Zeus for you? It's a great question. Um, So very similar to you um, and probably both of your stories a little bit. um, Combination of uh, honestly, it was a breakup with my fiance. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that we do have in, in, in common. Yeah. Um, I was in a relationship. I got engaged. Um, and I kind of felt like I was living a traditional Christian story and, and the, they're, not to discredit that, but right for me, like for me, I was living. So I felt like I was living someone else's story for me Yeah. rather than really digging deep and asking myself what I want. Mm-hmm. And and breaking off the engagement was the first moment where where I felt like I stepped out of the story that was written for me. Yeah, and that's the the freedom that you were describing, like happiness and freedom and joy, was that same freedom that I experienced once I stepped out of that, um, out of the relationship, really. Yeah, and so I I started to go, wait a second, maybe God is much bigger than this box that I put him in. Mm maybe there's more to the story than than I was kind of letting on or that that I've seen so far. Right. So more to the story than just a timeline of events. For sure. And then I felt like, at least on kind of Adam's journey, it was like, then I started diving into the research side of things. And like, um, it's just, it's crazy when you, like I grew up with all these Bible stories and I always thought they were like, you know, uh, I don't know. Most of them were literal. Um, and like Adam and Eve and all these stories. I'm like, yeah, I would have like a hundred percent said like a hundred percent literal. They act like there's actually people that were on the planet called Adam and Eve. Um, one of the things that I feel like I've, I've been diving into uh, like really head first is, um, non-dualistic thinking, yeah. which is just going, it's maybe it's not, this or this maybe it's a both and so um for example the easiest way i describe like non-dualistic thinking is going like okay if if, what if some people are like well are adam and eve real people or are they metaphor and i'm going well what if what if both can be true whether or not they're what whether or not adam and eve were physical real people or a metaphor to describe how God's interactions with men and women happened in the earliest of times. Uh, like whether those, but either one of those things are true. Um, uh, it doesn't discredit God for me in what I believe that he is. Yeah. It's like, I, like growing up, it's, it was all about getting it right. Mm-hmm. And I think what you guys were, what I love about what you guys are doing is that there, a lot of the deconstruction is, is moving away from rightness and moving towards love, which is not obsessed with being right, but obsessed with seeing people and knowing people for where they're at and where they are going, really. Right. Yeah. I think and, you said something about this earlier where you were like, um, deconstruction you've seen it be weaponized almost and i think i think what you're saying is is so good because as long as as long as we keep trying to just create a new denomination out of the christianity we believe so that we have a spiritual right to to discredit and hate things that we were once for and now are against yeah. or, um i think if that's the goal I don't think we're ever going to to find a place where 
we allow ourselves the opportunity and the freedom to be able to say, no, deconstruction is a process. It's something I will always be in. It's something I will forever be doing. There may be pieces of it that end up, you know, reconstructing or, or there may be little pieces that we say, Hey, like this meant so much to me. I need to relanguage this. I need to redefine this for myself now in my own spiritual practice. But I think, I think just kind of slapping a label on something and saying, Nope, I'm a deconstructed Christian. That's what I am. That's my new denomination. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm going to tell people. I think that that can be just as harmful as, as any other denomination. Yeah, I mean, it just creates another tribal religion where as opposed to something that's completely accepting and like going back to the the dualistic thing, it's like you've just become the inverse of the thing you've hated. Yeah. I always say like just with deconstruction, you know, I talk to a lot of people through social media and whatnot um, about deconstruction. You also talk to people in real life too. I've seen that. I do. I do actually talk to people in real life as well. (laughs) It does happen. (laughs) I'm actually a human being. Um, but yeah, I talk to them and I say like, you know, deconstruction is, is a journey for sure. It's not a place, it's not an arrival place, but also I, I not warn is too harsh of a word, but I, I sort of warn of the um, some of the issues with immediate reconstruction mm. um, because, yeah, well, just like Adam was saying, like I think there's just parts that we have to be careful with not basically just slapping another label on things and becoming the ones who the ones who have it right and the ones who you know, on the right side of history and all of that, we have to just be careful of uh, of reconstruction as as a whole um, because even reconstruction is not a place of arrival either. Reconstruction yes. is a process just like deconstruction is a process. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. That's such a good point, and I think this is honestly, like, if you were to be like, hey, because I'm I'm pretty, like, pretty accepting of most people. I pretty have a, a, a lot of emotional... Like I guess energy to give, yeah. But the people that it's the hardest to love for me are people that that per that act as if they have arrived, right? And and most of my conversations with friends and people's about us about theology and even my own deconstruction deconstruction has been um, it's just hard for me to 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 tell somebody that I've arrived somewhere. I can go like, Hey, like, for example, when it, when we come to truth comes at, like when someone's like, well, I know the truth. And I'm like, okay, like, like the, how do you know the truth? And how do you like, I know that you can know your truth and mm. I can't, I can't disqualify that or, or no one can devalidate your experience. Yeah. Um, um, and at the same time, uh, it just becomes a very tricky situation of when, as soon as you start saying my way is the right way and everyone else is wrong. And at least in my Christian theology, a lot of people have justified the Bible to um, to claim authority over other people who th- they think aren't doing it right. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting because a lot of the questions I've been asking people that go, oh, it's right because the Bible says. And I go like, the Bible says according to who? Right. And they're like, well, according to this author. And I'm like, okay, so how do you know what this author meant when they were writing it? Right. And they go, well, that's because X, Y, and Z. I'm like, okay, so now we're, so that's because it's your interpretation of what this author was writing. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's what God, that's what the Bible says. I was like, 
the Bible, what the Bible says according to who. And it, <laughs> it becomes this cycle of like, a lot of people don't want to admit that they're interpreting meaning from what the Bible says. Right. And um, I think it's like, I love, I actually really love the Bible. And I think it's an incredible tool to find truth, wisdom, all these types of things. And there was, there was like a quick season where as I was deconstructing where I flipped the label and I was like, everything is uncertain. There's no such thing as certainty. Yeah. Screw everything. Like <laughs> there is this like kind of pendulum switch that a lot of us, uh, even in the deconstruction era, it's hard to like lovingly accept the hurt that we've experienced from something like whether it be a religion, um, but also start to realize that the thing that hurt us is also giving us gifts along the way. Yeah. And what I mean by that is just there's things that I grew up like the certainty of, of believing that there's a Zeus God. Like I needed to, to start with like a, a face and a name so I could deconstruct it. Right. So that's why my like my dad used to teach and talk about early childhood development. And he was talking with one of my um, friends that was an uh, that's an atheist. And he was like, I just want to expose my child to like a synagogue one day, uh, a Buddhist temple, a church, and then like a mo- like a, the, the Mormon, like all these things, like each Sunday would be a different thing. And my dad was like, it's, it's a great idea. But for a kid, they're just going to go, the church had cookies and the mosque didn't. Yeah. They're not actually picking up on the nuances of abstract thought and trying to piece all this together. We actually need a level of certainty growing up. Um, that, so that we can orient ourselves in the world and start from somewhere. So one of the things I'm actually grateful for and realizing I'm grateful for is like starting with the Zeus thing to deconstruct. Yeah. Because I go, you know, God's power, authority, trusting that he's good. I want a God that is like fierce in chasing after me in that the love isn't just passive. Um but and there are all these really good things to the the way that I grew up in. Um, but at the same time, I had to realize what beliefs weren't serving me and didn't work anymore. Mm. And part of that was, um, especially in my deconstruction journey, was um, probably one of the main beliefs was I I have it right in my way is the right way, um, or even just like from an acceptance standpoint of like justifying who's in and who's out. Um, that, that became really tricky for me. Um, when I had experience, when I talked to people that traditionally the church excluded, I go, why is it that these people seem to be more loving than the people that are in the church? And yet they're the ones being, you know, pushed to the edges and, my understanding of Jesus was that he was the one going and hanging out with those people. He wasn't like, it'd it'd just be really interesting if Jesus was on the planet today where he would be spending most of his time. Cause I, I think it would not be, (laughs) it would not be around church people, Um, which is so interesting to me. Um, And still a lot that I'm working through. Um, But your question about the, the process and, this thing not being just a, like, I've arrived, cool, I'm good. Yeah. The, the saddest part for me is when I see older, and usually it's older couples that go, yep, this works for us, and that's it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's just, for me, it's like, you know, to each his own, God is going to work in, in the life of that couple too. Um, but for me, it's, it feels like the death of growth. Mm-hmm. When you start to be content with your current worldview, right? And it's not that it's not that you're supposed to like always be deconstructing, because um, my favorite thing and one of my favorite authors right now, his name is Richard Rohr. Um, he talks about kind of this the seasons of life that we go in, which is order, disorder, and then reorder. Yeah. And so, the season of my life right now is more of a reordering because all of my identity pieces, my, my twin brother getting married, 
breaking off my relationship. Um, my dad actually no longer being a pastor. Um, all these things were the di- big disorder moments for me. Yeah. And now I had to go, man, my dad's no longer a pastor. What does that mean? Yeah. And yeah, and it's and it's, it's definitely been a journey, no pun intended. And it's a cycle of those things too. It's not just yeah. it's you don't just hit each of those three things and you do that once in life and, and it's then you've done. arrived, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's over and over and over again. And as somebody who's, you know, now you're like a deconstructing ex pastor's kid, <laughs> for you now like I'm sure you still have a lot of friendships and relationships with people who are still in conservative oh. or evangelical um, circles. Yeah. Um, one, uh, I'm curious, has your relationship with them changed at all? And two, are you, because I'm not sure how open you are about your deconstruction and um, yeah. even your, your family and anything like that. Like, have yeah. you had those conversations with them? Have your relationships with yeah. them changed? For sure. I mean, for me, I'm kind of like an open book when it comes to these things. And at least when it comes to like family stuff, it, I'm, I got, what I'll share is just kind of as much as I have uh, the liberty to share. Um, but I think for me, being honesty and communication wins out at the end of the day. Mm. Um, in my, those are the, the two, the two biggest, most important things, no matter what you believe, if you're honest with me and you can communicate clearly what you desire or don't desire, like, it doesn't matter what you believe. I can, I can, I can go. Yeah. Like for sure. I think that the things where, you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a story to kind of model this. When I started deconstructing, I got cigars with a guy and, and I, I just started asking questions. I wasn't in a place where I'm like, I believe this yet. Um, but in my question asking, it got kind of turned on me where this, I was kind of processing these questions with a guy and he went and told another person, which told another person, which then told another person. And it just became this like, Tyler's a universalist and it got back to like really hurting my brother and his, I don't think that in his fiance at the time. And like somehow by me processing and asking questions through a line of friends that never talked to me, mm-hmm. um, about what I actually believed based on what somebody misinterpreted in my question asking, it got down to like, you know, people coming up to my brother and, uh, and his fiance going, I don't think you should believe these things. And they're like, what do you, what do you mean? And they're like, well, if Tyler believes this, then you're obviously okay with it because your dad's okay with it. Mm. And, it was, it became the cycle of, you know, my, my, it became this like gossip cycle where somehow I was in the center of this conflict, which is literally one of the hells on earth for me as a type nine. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and I was like, I was just, I was just asking questions. I wasn't, I wasn't and I wasn't even at the place where I believe this yet. Right. Um, but it's, it's the verse that talks about not casting pearls before swine has become, but become so like necessary in the season. And not that people are swine, but the whole point of that is like, they won't be able to get it right now. The soil's not ready. And I went through having to like deconstruct my identity to be open to the ideas that I'm in, that I'm currently into right now. And some people are currently like building their order. And they're like, if you put any uncertainty in my life, I'm not going to accept it. Mm. And honestly, I, I have lost a lot of friends in this process. And it's been very lonely Yeah. Um, to be able to go. And I think the saddest part for me is like, 
when I start asking these questions, like it's, it kind of was the, the repeat of that. Like people ask me what I believe and I'd be like, you know what, this is kind of what I'm working to right now. I don't know. I could be wrong. Right. And, and, but then people take that and they go put me in this category of, oh, you're just this. And then now we can't hang out with you because we believe you're going to bring a level of uncertainty to the group. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and, and people, the hardest part too, is like people were tolerating me and I not accepting me, tolerating me. And I'd rather be full on rejected yeah. than tolerated within a friend group yeah, same. or within, um, really within a group of people. Right. Um, so that, uh, through this kind of process, seeing people that are, I've had to like learn what to say and what not to say. And also uh, there's part of me that just loved and like blowing everything up, blowing the system up and just like exploding people's brain. (laughs) Right. So there is part of me, like the prophet in me that's like, you know, uh, the, you know, saying that I worship Zeus for the first 15 years of my life (laughs) and like, they're like a couple like it's an inflammatory and, comment and yeah, it's, it's, I, it's I personally an, love it <laughs> for me i like it because it disrupts people's normal pattern and it right. actually allows them to go wait what um and it usually creates great conversation but sometimes it creates this like i'm no longer listening to you i just am waiting to comment about what i think about what you believe Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> that's happened so many times where people will, well, it's just like, so yeah, this is what I believe. And then like, they're, they're like the entire time they're like, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But did you think about that? And you like, they go into the, they're like holding their breath like, until they're just waiting to comment. They're not yeah. listening at all. Right. They're just waiting to say their thing that they believe is the right thing. And sometimes and those then, conversations are just not worth continuing or having. <laughs> Oh, I'm learning that the hard way. Right. So, uh, and for me, like my desire, the intention is to is to um, hopefully bring more peace and more joy in the in the in the on the on the backside of that. Right. Because for me, the un- I've been learning what it's like to actually find certainty in uncertainty, mm-hmm. which is so weird and backwards. But the answer but, is in the question. Yeah. Like. Yeah. The for me, it's about going just because I don't know doesn't mean that I can't have peace. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's the essence of faith of going like, I don't know, but here's what I choose to believe based on my experience with an infinite mysterious being that I don't know how to really describe, but the best easiest way for me to get a handle of that person's character is what I believe this guy that walks on the planet called Jesus. Like, that's the close. Jesus is the closest representation of God for me on the planet, and that's why I would still consider myself a Christian. Yeah. And and even when it, when people say universalist, I'm like, I don't believe all paths lead to heaven because I don't believe heaven is a place. Mm. And so, I think there's horrible decisions that you can make in your life that lead you to a, a hellish state of being. Right. And um. To say that all paths lead to heaven is just, um, I guess it's, it's, it's presumptuous. If you're talking about about geological places, I get what you're talking about. But if for me, I see heaven more as a state of being than a geological place. Right. And um, to say that like you can't make decisions that make you feel separate from God. I I don't think that's true. Yeah. And, um, I know what it's like to be in that hellish state. Yeah. And, and the key word there was to feel like you're separated from God. Oh, absolutely. Because it's just my perception that I'm separated. Right. So do you have a spiritual um, practice now? I do. Um, I do a couple things. Um, when I, I do a, a gratefulness journal mm. because what has happened sometimes in the uncertainty is the is the tilt towards depression Mm, um, because 
nothing is certain in a lot of ways. Um, and so there is this um, thing for me where I've done, okay, so if I don't know what's exactly right and what's perfect in the world. What are the things that I'm going to choose to focus on? Because at any point in our lives, we either have, are we going to focus on what we have or what we are, what we going to, fo- are we going to focus on what's missing? Right. And so I realized much of my life, I'm focusing on my, what's missing. And so, uh, every night before I go to bed, three things that I'm grateful for, I write down. Um, and the craziest thing is throughout the day, my brain is now looking for things to be grateful for mm. because I know I have to write them down at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. And so that's been one of the coolest parts about like um, that practice and the science behind it is uh, the reticular activating system in, you, in your brain is the, is the thing that um, filters out information and like what into your conscious mind. So I don't know what kind of car do you guys drive? We have a Juke, a Nissan Juke. A Juke. And how long did you, how long ago did you get it? Um, I got it in 2014. So before 2014, did you notice all the Jukes on the road? No, never. <laughs> but then as soon as you got the Juke, you still saw them everywhere. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's your reticular activating system, filtering in information that's important to you. Because the same amount of Jukes were on the road before you got a Juke and after you got a juke it's just it's not like they had some crazy juke like influx or whatever right um it's just your brain started scanning for jukes because you climbed into that car every day right and so what for me what like spiritual practices and quiet times in these kind of gratefulness journals are for me is climbing into a vehicle of gratefulness every day so that when i'm out on the road i actually see other vehicles of gratefulness and I'm able to go, my brain's able to process it. And that's where my emotions go. Mm. Um, yeah. And that, that's why it's so important for me. It's like, it's very intentional what I'm doing. It's not just a, you should have a quiet time because you should. Mm. Right. Um, for me, it's very intentional. And that's why it's been so important that I start my day um, grounded in, in, a, in a vehicle that's going to serve me. And I know that there's been times I've woken up and I've just been super depressed and I've started to see things that justify my depression mm. throughout the day. Yeah, right. So that's yeah. my first big battle happens in the morning. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And believe it or not, with there's actually a lot of, um, I get a lot of messages from preacher's kids um, okay. who are, who are de- deconstructing. So if, there, if there's any ad- piece of advice that you'd give to them, uh, what would you say? Uh, pastors' kids, man. Um, in in a lot of ways, there's two categories of pastors' kids. Um, there's a pastors' kid that um, their dad or mom, whoever's pastoring, um, they one side is they the dad or mom spends time with them, and they feel like that the dad or mom has made them a priority over church um and i'd say for those that that have been really just in that season um being grateful uh, for me gratefulness wins at the end of the day um but as as you're at like if there are is there's, there's a pastor's kid listening that is like i am starting to ask questions that could cause conflict and could disrupt my entire state of being. Yeah. Um, I would say have courage and know that you're not alone in this fight. Um, there are people desperately trying to find the truth and, and wanting honesty. But sometimes you got to lead by example and in leadership is lonely. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I would say if, if there's a pastor's kid out there, nor like for me, I can speak for myself. My dad loved my family, loved my family well, and I felt like a priority over the church. But for so many pastors' kids, it, the dad kind of or mom puts the priority on the church's success over the the success of the family. Mm. And if you're in that that space, know that 
your dad is not a representation of God. Yeah. And, and, and I know it's like, we have that tendency to, to project our dads onto what we believe about God. And, um, especially as a male figure and as we see God as a male figure, um, my advice would simply just be dive into your heart, find things that like think, uh, things that you're grateful for. And instead of focusing on what's missing in your life, focus on what you have. And if you're deconstructing something that's really, really, really difficult, um, know that the struggle is okay. The process is okay. And that you don't have to arrive somewhere in order to find peace, in order to find joy, in order to find meaning or understanding. Um, There is, there is so much in the journey that is beautiful and messy and so worth it. And um, my, like a, like a piece of practical advice would be continue to pray for a community of people to enter your life, um, to be able to support you in these questions. I know like when I first started deconstructing, I just was honest with the people around me and it was crazy to realize how many people were having the same thoughts and questions as I did. Yeah. So be honest, be, have courage, uh, really the courage to be vulnerable and, when people shoot you down and when people attack you for believing something different, know that they're not attacking you, but and they know that they're not judging you just as much judgment as they cast on you. They're casting upon yourself. So have compassion for those people that don't understand. Yeah. Um, that's great. I feel like that that's will like keep, really important. Yeah. That will keep you out of the dualistic. I'm going to fight fire with fire. Mm. And, um, and that, I got, that would be kind of my main advice to just to stay away from that, from the dualistic mindset of, I'm just going to be the opposite of this thing I hate. Right. So I'm just going to hate in return. Right. That will, that will put you in a state of hell. And right. It's, 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 you're just going to cycle back into the thing that you hate the most. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that would be, that would be my advice for pastors kids. Awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tyler, for sharing that. We really there you it. have it, there you ladies have and it. gentlemen. <laughs> well, um, uh, thanks for being on the podcast today. Of Tyler. course. Thanks we, for having me. We appreciate you. And uh, guys, thanks for listening. And until next time, bye. bye. If you liked this episode, please share, rate, and review on whatever platform you're listening. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, bye.